Yo, 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 what's up? It's CJ the Dancelayer from the Upgrade America podcast, episode 15. Uh, I think it's part one. We got a second part dropping later in the week. Hope you guys enjoy, all you fellow upgraders. Hope you're uh, blessed, grateful, and are prospering out here in the world. Um, We get very passionate and you get a lot more insight into who we are as individuals on these two episodes. So stay tuned, Um, like, share, subscribe, check us out on YouTube and all other streaming platforms. Thank you very much. Peace. This is it. This is the show. So, peace, world. God bless all our haters and all our upgraders. Thank you for tuning in to the Upgrade America broadcast, podcast, what have you. I'm Cameron Ra, your favorite internet madman and conspiracy theorist. Please be joined by fellow combat veteran and defender, Hoa. TJ the Day Slayer was popping over there on, on your side, and and what are we talking about today? Ah oh, man, what up, Zoe? IG Live, what up? What up? Upgrade America. We on episode? Well, I'm, we losing track. Uh, this is gonna be a main episode, I'm assuming. So this yeah. is so like 15, I think. I think we could call um, it. Hmm. I think we could call it that. Yeah. Uh, what we got here? I just wrote it down. Excuse me. Everything's cool. There's been a lot of storms here lately, which is good. We need that. So, a lot of rain, all that good stuff. So, we're talking about eminent domain and home ownership, land ownership. We're talking about the House passing an anti-terrorist bill, um, an anti-hate terrorist bill or something like that. We're talking about the Navy fighting two wars. We're talking about, uh, what's the other thing? Something else I'm leaving off. Oh, Bush, uh, Freudian slip. (laughs) And I'm trying to think, is there anything else? I know I wrote the little rundown, but I don't see it. Take a quick peek at the rundown. We can do that. But I mean, while I'm here and I'm sitting at the window, might as well do some uh, talk a little bit about this eminent domain because I can switch my camera real quick. But what right. they're, um, I was having a, a conversation about, you know, with a colleague of mine, and we were talking about, you know, buying land. And I've never bought land, but it's something that I want to do because of the whole Skyward initiative. And his response was like, yo, like, government can come in and take your land at any, any time. And this is true. It's called eminent domain. They take land and they're supposed to give it to you, you know, at market value. Buy it at market value plus mm-hmm. or minus. But uh, this this is something that happens. It, it happened to my mom. She had uh, she has property, and you know they take it. But this just occurred <laughs> to my own uh, place. So, let me see if I can flip this. I may not be able. Yeah, I think I can. So. These are my neighbors. They already took, see everything that's dug up? Yeah. That was somebody's backyard. They are about to 
They dug up a little bit of mine and they're gonna dive up. <laughs> gonna take a, a half of this. While I'm renting, it is what it is. I'm renting. Mm-hmm. Still, had I had, if I purchased that prop, this property, and I'm like, hey, I'm buying it for the acreage. I'm buying it for for the house. And then, you know, the government just <laughs> takes a jump out of it. I would feel a little, I would feel some type of way. But um, it is what it is. They're doing it to expand uh, a waterway and to mitigate flooding and, and, and such. So it is what it is, and I understand. But what else, uh, how, how you feel about eminent domain? You got any experience? Uh, I don't personally. I've seen uh, the growth and development in the Orlando area, and I've seen examples of what that would look like. And it's kind of jacked up. Mm-hmm. I'm torn on it because usually eminent domain comes with uh, either commercial development or gentrification, which is kind of the same. But I, I kind of look at them a little differently. I feel like if it's something abandoned and been sitting there, all right, yeah, do your thing. Nobody's doing anything with it, not a problem. But when you start like taking people's homes that's been there like 50 years just because you want to put up this, I don't know, smoothie shop. I feel like that's kind of jacked up. You know what I'm saying? I agree. A, um, especially farmers life. and stuff like that, the people that have actual acreage, like they actually grow crops and raise animals. And, you know, yeah, I would feel a certain way about it, but that is a part of uh, American culture. Um, I guess a silver lining, fortunately, we can actually buy land. I'm sure in other countries, they can't even buy land. So, I know in I mean, some states you can't buy land. Like Hawaii, yeah. I don't think you can buy. Ah, oh, man, this life is. Oh, I moved because my internet was getting choppy. I'm sorry. No, you good. You do what we got to do. Um, but now, yeah. man, I. I I don't know how that that made me think about buying land a lot differently after experiencing it, you know, and the whole Skyward initiative, whereas, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of makes me want to do that aquatically, like build artificially on the ocean instead of like, uh, you know, just doing it on the land. Mm-hmm. Plastic floats. Why not? Uh, I mean, we saw the Venus Project, which we got to witness in person. Oh, man. <laughs> that was dope. So, it was, a lot of it was conceptual, but at the same time, it was very brilliant and inspiring. So shout out yeah. to uh, Venus Project out in, what is it? Uh, is it man. called Venus, Florida? I think it is, actually. Word up, word up. Yeah, so um, in the, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think anytime you gentrify or anything like that, you got to do it very responsibly and make sure that the people in that community are an integral part of that community still. Um, unfortunately, people always get priced out or whatever the case might be. So that's why I said I'm torn on it because I do see the need to revitalize areas that are run down or whatever. I, I believe in upcycling existing buildings and stuff like that to repurpose them i'm i'm totally for that um but then it's like i'm I'm torn from it as well too because when you do increase the value of the building you know modernizing what what have you renovating you have to raise the you have to raise the price of it naturally Mm -hmm. and so it's like (laughs) the thing is 
while there there needs to be some sort of rent stabilization, at the same time we we need to further discuss. Wasn't there a big movement to raise the minimum wage? Did that go through? I mean, it. I think it has gone through because of the blip. Not that they really want to. It's more because of the blip. It was kind of coming, I think, during the blip and Mm -hmm. a little bit before the blip. I think during the blip, you started seeing it because they needed essential workers. So I noticed pay raises during that time. And then now that people are like, nah, you know what? I got options for employment and somebody will pay me more. Then people had to start raising their rates because nobody's coming to work for lower rates that they paid before the blip and during the blip. Because you got to understand, too, they had hazard duty pay. They had all these incentives during the blip that they were paying people. So, well, the pay raise should match the the raise of the real estate. Hmm. Okay. Like. In theory, someone should be able to get a, 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 an apartment at the, or, or, or even if they're renting a house because that's what they want. That's what these real estate mongols, they, they want they want to buy up all the private property. So we mm-hmm. rent everything. And if that's what you want, a person should be able to stay in their home, you know, with some sort of rent stabilization. Or these wages have to match the price, uh, the, the rise of, of the real estate. Yeah, it's been an interesting time, too, in the sense with inflation and all the supply chain issues and all this, because it affects everybody now. Like, you don't see people off that high horse, like maybe because the middle class now I've been reading. I think we've been going back and forth. The middle class is like at this point now, 100 grand and up where that used to be the one percent part of the one percent. Once you started, grand like, was considered part of the one percent. Yeah, a few years ago, that would be closer to the one percent. Like, start, nah, I'm saying when you start getting up to, um, just on on the scale of, I'm not talking about like the top top one percent, but if you're mm-hmm. just looking at it from a general standpoint, it wouldn't be lower class or middle class. It would definitely be more leaning towards the one percent versus. Poverty. I, I disagree. Uh, like, that's how I look at it. When you look at when you look at what, a hundred k, and then you gotta think, what is that probably a month? Like maybe. I, I said a few years ago, but they're saying even still, even a few, even because, still a few years ago. It depends where you're at. I'm, I'm sure as well because like, well, yeah. mm-hmm. just going trying to back to the real estate when you mm-hmm. go to New York City. And you're like, okay, you see these wonderless, wonderful uh, glass condos and stuff like that. And then you get a ballpark that they're renting for like 10 stacks a month. And they're mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. So you know yeah. that people are making at least enough money to pay 10000 on rent. You know, like 5000 on, on rent for, for condos. So their salaries are... I don't think that's 1%. Like a millionaire millionaires being coming becoming more common now and okay even, even maybe, before. yeah maybe maybe i had it a little off yeah okay and that look was, at the tax bracket like even yeah. from 2020 or mm-hmm. when we were doing the initial upgrade america like 
want to say maybe 2019, the tax bracket was like, and I'm I'm just throwing numbers, maybe 27 percenters. Uh, for it went for like 500k. It was like one of the 500k and up was considered one of the highest tax brackets. Okay, yeah, because I was trying to remember. I do remember we did do that, and I was trying to remember off the top of my head. But yeah, a million would make more sense to like the start of the one percent at this point, especially now. That would actually kind of make more sense. Like everything, <laughs> everything under would be middle class or lower class. I don't know. And you still have to reevaluate that. You still have to reevaluate it based on inflation. Yeah. The, it's we printed a lot more money. Yeah, and people we printed more money so because people are getting higher wages. But if that doesn't really mean anything, if you know if the money's devaluated, then. It's there's a lot of upgrading to, to do. Yeah. What else we got on on the rundown? Oh, the other thing, the baby formula shortage. Do you know why there's a baby formula shortage? I I'm just remember curious. hearing it in the news, and then I sent you that uh thing like telling you a hack to get baby formula. There's a lot of there's a lot of coverage on that in the news, and truth be told, shout out to Nye, love my life, like she breast pumps okay so it's like similac was not a concern for at least for for me personally but um at the same time when you think on grand scale there's a shortage and how many uh like this is what babies eat you know how much like organic breast milk like straight from the booty you know how much that goes and i can't it's like a gallon i don't know the the quantities but people are you can make like six stacks a month selling breast milk yeah Wow, yeah, because it's 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 bodybuilders want it, of course. Like mothers who can't and who want to feed their babies want it, but like it's a commodity. Why there's a shortage, I don't know. The conspiracy theory and theorists and me is thinking like, hmm, no formula. We just got a bunch of money. My understanding, they bought a poop ton from some foreign country. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can you Google that real quick? Yeah, I'm really curious. Um, what caused the baby formula shortage? I, I, I'm curious what caused it, but uh, what is more important is the, the solution that they've conjured and where they're getting this stuff from. Where okay. Because my understanding, there was one, there was a, oh, okay. So there was some uh, recall. Okay. One. This is one company. I don't know if it affected all of them because you know how like one parent company owns like ten other ones. But I recall they're doing recall. Abbott uh, Laboratories Uh, CEO Robert Ford apologized Saturday in a new op-ed for his company's role in the nationwide shortage of baby formula, which this week moved Congress and the Biden administration to take emergency actions to alleviate it. So let's see, hold on. Said so the formula found, oh, potentially uh, deadly bacteria in Sturgis, Michigan, in one of the plants. And they said the plants was responsible for producing 25% of the nation's baby formula. Wow. wow. Just one plant when you got 50 states? So like, it's concentrated. Like that's a point of failure. Wow, it's catastrophic. So, and then it got up to the, what was it, did it say FDA? 
Mm -hmm. um, let me see. Yeah, FDA did discover bacteria in a plant. They will not tolerate it. <laughs> Ironically, we got our issues with the FDA, but anyway, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they did something right here. So I gotta give them credit where it's due. Yo, they raised the they raised the flag on that. Yeah. Um, so Biden invoked, you would know this, the Defense Production Act. Mm. And that was used for people that don't know during the first World War One and World War Two, where they shifted like car manufacturers and all this to make weapons and foods and rations and all this stuff in what normally would be like a regular factory. So that's basically what a, that's what it shifted to. Oh, look, good old Ramstein. Mm. Got him. So, uh, U.S. military aircraft were scheduled to fly 132 pallets of Nestle. Mm, we know how evil they are. Baby formula <laughs> too. Uh, <laughs> Annapolis. Shout out to Naptown 317. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ramstein Air Force Base, Germany. Hmm. Old, my old stomping grounds. I was. Yeah, you know, you know. Good times. <laughs> great times. Pull the way. More accurate. Pull the way. You know. Now, now we got to the bottom of that. Okay, so it's, so it's issue, coming but... to Nestle. The new stuff. That's what they're shipping back. Uh, let me see. Hold on. I think Nestle is involved because, you know, they're a multi-conglomerate. And also, were they trying to buy up fresh water and stuff like that? Maybe. I think they cover that. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. A um, lot of protesting, especially in, I think, upstate New York it was, for sure. Um, I can't remember exactly, but oh, so that makes sense. So it was a recall on top of lack of domestic production and poor planning. And then That's... not to mention you throw in this whole supply chain effort and what have you. So what I, I still recall, I, not recall, but I still remember like uh, that uh, a bulk of this was being purchased from one particular nation. Oh, okay. Hold up. I did see another article. I think that one was CNBC, which I read from. Okay. Uh, um, I did see something in the search algorithm also that brought this up. Because I'm just curious. There's a lot of money going overseas. We just sent $40 billion overseas. And Let's, I yeah. want to know the, the price tag on how much this formula costs. And it's like, again, how are we going to move forward from this upgrade America? Like, we have identified that we have a single point of failure for a critical formula to feed our, our children, our, our, our babies in this nation. So what are we going to do about that? Are we going to depend on foreign nations? Are we going to give uh, Detroit, Michigan our shot? Like, we need mm -hmm. to decentralize this uh, baby formula like every state should be manufacturing something vital to our nation's productivity and like function absolutely like, and then if, if like every that. state I, I, I totally agree with you if every state has their niche they have their niche and then they stick with it and then, then the 50 states where, where we're already united we unite further with that we will absolutely will, will truly upgrade America but I want to put one more thing Thing and push the, the envelope okay. even further. Like anyone who's capable of breastfeeding, it's almost like blood. It's like if you can do it, they have breastfeeding, they have breast milk banks. 
so like if you're capable of doing it and you have access like do it like this this stuff is this is what what babies need to eat and it's yeah, absolutely. like there's an old saying about don't cry over spilled milk i don't do that <laughs> never say that but you know how much energy it takes to, to produce a you know, a, a bottle of a, a breast milk and it does spill over and then you see the mother flip out of this and you're like, don't cry over spilled milk. Like, don't ever say that because, yo, it takes a lot of energy to produce that. And if you can do that, like, please. Can, do you know if, uh, if males can produce breast milk? I don't think we can. Uh, I'm a little scared to open that Pandora's box, to be honest. So our but... nipples are superfluous? Like, what is the point? Yeah, I, I, I know babies will go for it if they don't know any better. <laughs> so I've seen examples of that. Um, so, in some wild worst case scenario, if I could and I had to for, you know, to feed my kids, I would do. Absolutely. Like, that's no question. Um, I don't know, man. This really frustrates me because we had time during the blip mm-hmm. to have, even though Biden administration did basically do what we told them to do, like before the blip, um, as far as infrastructure, all this, you know, of course they did it, but it seems very slow and it seems like very reactive instead of. We should have been hitting the ground running with this stuff, like right after the pandemic. But they were they were so focused on, I feel like, still controlling us mm. versus. All right, listen, we did all we can do in two years. Like, let's roll this up. We're gonna treat this like the flu vaccine or flu, whatever. Not vaccine, but treatment. I'm gonna say treatment at this point because if you gotta keep getting a shot every year, it's not a vaccine. So I'm just yeah, going I agree. To I agree. Um, so I'm looking at this and infuriated, and then you're sending money to Ukraine once again. <laughs> we got a baby formula shortage, which is more pressing, on top of possibly Roe versus Wade being overturned, and then states going more aggressive on uh, abortion rights and stuff like that. Like, it's not adding up here. <laughs> it is adding up because there are grand distractions for us. Like, look what's going on overseas. Look what's going on overseas. And we're paying very little mind to what's happening on the home front. So I think, if anything, it's, it's a grand distraction. But, yeah, there's a lot of money that's that's going out the door. And I'm not particularly, I don't really agree with it. But let me ask you this. Okay. You know how in uh, Vietnam that a... Uh, how you say that proxy war like the logic behind it was oh the domino effect mm-hmm. right like what is the logic behind us defending Ukraine? like what is america and nato so, so i think proximity to russia to be frank geographically mm-hmm. that's why that's the only thing that makes sense i see and, and because of ukraine's um economic with that port that port area i think they have going on of course we got access to that i'm sure uh, i haven't looked it up i've been off on my geopolitics a little bit so i can get back on that but i know it has something to do with that because we're not defending something that's not worth something that's yeah. not how it functions 
my like I said, my best educated guess is proximity to Russia. It's like perfect. They're right there. So I could see that's why we're helping them a lot. Besides Arden, they're not are they in NATO and not you um not uh the UN or in UN and not NATO. I can't they're remember. Not in, they're not in NATO. They're okay. certainly in the UN. I'm not okay. sure on their European Union status. That's, those are the things that's kind of shaky. I wasn't sure on them. Russia on does that. not want Ukraine to join NATO. Mm-hmm. Russia didn't. I didn't know. Finland just joined NATO. Or I just saw in something. The process of, of it. And Russia's yeah. pretty perturbed about that, too. Mm-hmm. I don't have too much intel on Finland or their military capabilities or what they they're I think their military capabilities are enough to, I guess, point to like the example for the Ukraine. They'll be able to defend their homeland, but for how long? You know, I don't know how much of a fully developed military they have as far as all four facets, you know. I think um, what it really means is, as we, we, we discussed, they can't hold it down for very long. But what it really means is when you beef with one NATO country, you beef with all of them. So mm-hmm. if, uh, oh, what are the countries that border uh, Ukraine? Was it? Belarus? Yeah, would be Poland, Belarus, right? There's um, definitely Poland to the, to the west. What, to Czech Republic? I don't, uh, my, geo, my geography is, is pretty rusty in, in that region. I think it's Belarus, but there's a nation that that Russia could potentially go to next and just mm-hmm. keep moving. Mm-hmm. But um, where I'm going with this is like if, say, if Russia were to get into Finland and they weren't part of NATO, then it's just like NATO could say, you're like, yeah, that's bad, and maybe we should help them, and they'll speculate about it. But in the case where Finland is a part of NATO and Russia attempted to, it would be immediate response. Yeah. And it's interesting because I know Turkey has been trying to get into the EU for years. Mm. And they're a very, very interesting player because they're like in between. Europe oh, and Asia, they're right there, and then they're and cool. The Middle East, they border Iraq. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. I think Turkey is very interesting, and then they have the natural resources. They also have water, you know, where they could do their trade and stuff like that. And I think I think they have gas, and do they have gas and oil? I'm trying to remember. I think they do have gas for sure. So that's very interesting, that whole region right there. I, I really think it comes down to Russia just wanting to be a part of the class. Like, I think they have their own agenda. And I, I did want to slide this in. It's not on, on ours, but I did receive some updates on BRICS. Like okay. uh, the, the organization with Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They yeah. want to do some expansion as well. Like they want to, you know how America's flirting with their CBDC? They're yeah. flirting with their own multi-connected CBDC. And uh, I do believe some countries in Europe are caving to uh, to Vladimir Putin's 
request mm-hmm. with the energy trait. So I could see this thing, this 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 CBDC, the central bank digital currency, uh, arrive mm-hmm. from from BRICS and find its way into an entrenched in, into Europe. Yeah, that's interesting, and and it's interesting at the same time because you got those East European countries are becoming more radicalized as far as uh, right wing philosophies, like more when they're known to take in immigrants from other countries and like blend them in pretty cool. But you're seeing a rise, especially in Poland for what I was listening to on a podcast, they're going Poland, I think France as well. I think France is a little different because they're so mixed up they have a good population of everybody there compared to Poland, where it's a little more homogenous. Mm. Um, but a lot of those countries, and then you showed me the thing with the uh, Ukraine, militias in Ukraine. So, I mean, all those areas are kind of radicalizing anyway. So I'm really curious to see how they pivot due to this conflict. Now, I'm just curious if there's any validity to uh, you, you mentioned the whole the, the right wing uh, movement, but like if there's any validity to these, uh, we discussed the the white supremacy in Ukraine, and if if there's any validity to that, like I, I'm I'm really curious. But it, yeah, I think it's go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I'm saying there's a lot going on in, in the world. Uh, India just moved ten thousand troops. To uh, to the border with China, which I find uh, I, I find baffling because they're in like a NATO together, they're in BRICS together. So I'm curious how that will be re- re- how that will be resolved. But um, yeah, there's uh, definitely got to brush up on that. Brush up on that stuff. I've been slacking on that. Um, was well bringing up since we're kind of on this topic with the uh, house passing. Was it a uh, anti hate bill or something like that it's on the it house is, my understanding is like cool it's targeting white supremacist hate groups and this is a result of the incident the buffalo massacre mm-hmm. and while it's fine and dandy it is still not the how do you say it? it's still not the racial re- the racially protective legislation you know like Asian Americans have for black people how I interpret this, it is remember in liberal speak, quote unquote, Trump equals racism, quote unquote, Trump equals white supremacy. So when you are, you know, you're gonna get slaughtered. How do you say politically in November? You can use the power you have to retain power and to gain power by creating legislation to target your your political opposition and that is how i i, I see that mm-hmm. it's supporting my false flag <clears throat> my false flag theory again y'all thought i was playing around when i ran for president in 2020 but yo when i tell you 2024 it is gonna be nuts and this is just a uh, this is just a preview of, of, of things to come. I can only imagine. What do you think? 
Yeah, I was I watched some of the clip, right? When I had some time. And what I what I listened for, like I was kinda listening at the guys like, what America are y'all living in? Like when they were talking about our rights and this, I'm like, y'all already know those are being taken, right? <laughs> I mean the Patriot kinda Patriot Act kinda already all that. So I'm like, what are y'all talking about at this point? And that's where I got upset because I'm I'm listening to these gentlemen talking. They were cool and whatever, but I'm like, also, you guys don't live in the America that you and I live in. Let's be honest. Like, you live in a different America than we live in. True. Even though we're on the same land, we have to live differently. And that's the part that started rubbing me the wrong way in the sense that, especially when they brought up January 6th, I'm like, Oh, y'all thought that was righteous? Like, if y'all weren't armed, it would have been a righteous protest. But since y'all were armed... Oh, man, they were armed. They were armed to the teeth. I had boots yeah. on the ground there. And the way they try to downplay that pissed me off because I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you know if any other group did that, that wouldn't have went down like that. It would have been a slaughter. Furthermore, security would be heightened. Like it was very, yeah. lax. it was very lax. So, and then on top of that, even with this bill, I'm sure it won't say anti-black racism in there. They will do everything in their power, the political structure, benign neglect. Look that up, folks. Basically, you ignore a group of people by acting like their problems don't exist or you don't mention them. You'll say, you'll use cold words like urban or people of color or minority mm. to deflect specific needs of constituents, taxpaying constituents in America. Let's get this clear too. Um, yeah, that clip really frustrated me because I was like, although it's cute as a symbolic gesture, it's not real. And yeah, I don't like, I'm not a fan of symbolic gestures either. Nah, that shit's dead. Like, we well, need actual legislation going to law. Like, hey, you guys are protected now. There's a penalty. On top of that, I thought of the irony and hypocrisy. Yeah. They're talking about, oh, rooting out white supremacy and all these organizations. That's like every organization. <laughs> so how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? Medical, finance, legal real estate i mean and here here's what you gotta consider right and people are gonna say put black people in these positions and i think no that's when you should raise the red flags because it's like that's that's not how you do it you, because you can have how you say how you elegantly put it before race traders like put them in position to do cruel things to their own people and they'll just trust the symbolic figure so I think it all stems down to more transparency and accountability like in every facet uh, every facet of government I suppose yeah I, I, I'm, simplif- I'm oversimplifying it I don't know bro yeah I know I, I just found it in like how I guess when I was watching that clip I was sitting there like how like nonchalant and like yeah and I'm like 
you do realize probably your relatives, your friends, your neighbors are a part of the problem, right? You realize that, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, and I'm sure in some form or fashion, they're part of the problem. Like, you know, maybe indirectly, you know, uh, you know how we learned um, state sponsored sympathizers, you know, when it comes to terrorism and stuff like that. So that's what that's what my brain kind of went like. Be honest, but I had to watch it to see. But what I heard was like, no, that's par for the course. Like, I am. Um, I hate to pivot back to that to that massacre thing you mentioned, the state sponsored and, and the terrorism thing. I am just, however it was spun or if it was independent, I'm really praying that this does not become fuel to the fire for uh, for like-minded individuals. You know, like, it doesn't inspire other people. But when you look deeper into this case, like with the Buffalo Massacre, for me, it just sounded like this whole thing was, like, written by writers from, like, HBO who did, like, The Watchmen or something like that. Yeah. Or your reparations written on the, written on the, on the weapon and all this other frivolous stuff. I did not read the manifesto because I need to get the headspace to do that objectively and not be triggered. Because again, there's, it can be, some thought was put into this with expected results. Because I I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it because it's just like, oh, the replacement theory and, and everything like, but when black people are not a threat to 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 the status quo of, of white people, like what is it what is it they fear? I, I don't understand. I don't want to believe it because it's so cowardly. That act was so cowardly, and that is not an act of supremacy. It was a yellow belly act of cowardism hitting soft targets because the thing is like white people shop at Whole Foods everyone knows that there's guns in the ghetto everyone knows that like there's that's soft soft targets like anyone can do that anyone can do that so I don't want to believe that I really want to believe hey this was this was meant to trigger people and there are other actors involved. And for our listeners, do not get triggered. Do not, everything is not so cut and dry. Everything is not so simple. Many things are thought out with the anticipation of your reaction. If you're a white supremacist and you go out and you commit another act, more fuel for the fire. If you're a black person and then you go out and retaliate, then ooh, you can rage war on the black community. No, 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 everything is, thought out with expectations and uh, I don't know bro I ran it on this one what are your nah thoughts? I mean you make some interesting points I'm right there with you and the other same token like we spoke about the Roe versus Wade leak of the draft mm-hmm. of the decision I mean we I've watched House of Cards excellent writing how mm-hmm. can that not be what goes on in the White House or I watched um, Designated Survivor you know, same thing, another political show. 
West Wing, you got all these political shows. So you mean to tell me they can't do a simple terrorism show? I guess sort of reality show or moment or whatever. That's like walking the park. I was gonna ask our guests this question, but I'm gonna ask you because it's like 2020 with UFOs, all the drama, celebrities endorsing jabs and stuff like that. It almost seems like reality and men don't want, I forgot to throw in the killer robots and stuff, but it seems like reality is just blurring with sci-fi. And then the, the alien thing is like the sprinkling even even more with the UFO. That's, you're right. Was it the, the truth is stranger than fiction? That, that statement is so Yo, true nowadays. Stranger than fiction. I, yeah, absolutely. Oh man, um, <laughs> what else are we talking about? Oh, the two wars by the Navy. We couldn't. How did you feel about that clip? I, you already know my thoughts for the most part, but I'm really curious what you thought. Two wars from the Navy. The first thing with big red flag for me was like, yo, this is a uh, this is foreshadowing. Somehow, whoever made that statement has some intelligence that they may fight two wars in the future. And then who would they fight those two wars with? I'm just taking a guess here. Russia and China. As China is, is advancing more towards Taiwan and maybe conflict there. But when you're thinking about, yo, we can't do this, I I, I totally agree. Uh, you had a piece of, of Afghanistan, I got a piece of Iraq. And from mm-hmm. while there were respectable military forces, they didn't have like grand skill militaries like Russia and China, and they were costly conflicts, and Absolutely. they were costly in, in terms of, of lives, blood, mm-hmm. money, and, and military equipment. When you're talking about fighting Russia, that's hypersonic weapons, and, and among other, other things of that nature, uh, a formidable uh, naval, uh, naval fighting force, they got submarines, things of that nature, Iraq, they didn't have those. But it's a bit more complicated. So I, I, I do agree that no, I don't think we that I, I don't think so unless the sole intention is to defend America. If we have all our navies, we have all our militaries and and then if we're just holding it down, we're protecting the continental United States. I don't wanna say like sorry Guam, <laughs> you guys are on your own, but if we're, we're holding down the core empire, then maybe. What do you think? Yeah, that, that kind of goes back to what we've been going back and forth on our journey of how much military, how smart should our military be compared to how big should it be at this mm. point? Smarter, not harder, right? Exactly. You know, force multipliers, right? Whoa. So Air power. Space power, ah, you already know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Dictionary force. You already know. Nah, I was sitting there thinking about that, but I do like what he said in the clip. He was like, well, although I don't like the situation where it does mean we need to up our quality and upgrade our Navy mm. to the newer technology that we have available, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, okay, so I rock with that. Because now I'm starting to look at what we just were talking about, supply uh, supply chain issues, stuff like that. Domestically, we're getting people back to work. 
we're getting our economy stronger again okay in that sense on the other sense it really highlighted the point of we need to bring our asses back home and quit expending so much money outside of home to rebuild retool and re-strategize um i know your concern is having our military members being restless and nothing to do basically in essence i I had a point but go ahead um so i understand that um it is very tricky but also again it's not like we only have what one percent of our population that actively serves so it's not like we got 10% of our population actually certain. We can hold it down considering just our 1%. Um, so I was just looking at it as like this, I, I feel like this is the time to pivot to more focus and lean in more in our technology, mm-hmm. becoming leaner and meaner. And then we need to start doing that diplomatic tour of relinquishing control to these foreign nations, these sovereign nations where we have our imprint start scaling that back and bringing our stuff back, you know, bringing our people back. A lightweight alliance with them, like, yo, you got beef, yeah, we, based on the conditions, we may or may not help you. But a solution for uh, those restless soldiers is, um, and it kind of dates back to uh, the, the Roman Empire, is rebuild the, the crumbling inf- infrastructure. Like, that's Here what they're known for. That's what they want. That's what helped them win wars was roads. They say amateurs talk strategies. Experts talk what? Logistics. So, mm. like, okay. Okay, uh, bars. Let's bring the, uh, let's bring, you know, we're, we're bringing our troops home. Cool. Bridges are falling down in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Soon as the president, uh, the same day the president goes to talk about infrastructure. That's <laughs> That's sure. a coincidence, or it's like we really got a bad, we really got an infrastructure problem. Like yeah. our civil engineers, military civil engineers, man, these guys build bridges on the fly that can you can drive tanks and all types of uh, yeah. heavy equipment across. So I am more than sure that our our, our war fighters can repair our crumbling infrastructure when when we bring them back home. And I did want to bring up something where I kind of looked at based on how russia has been in this conflict with ukraine mm-hmm. kind of highlighted in a sense their weaknesses i guess you could say in a modern time of war fighting even though they do have submarines they have a decent air force um but based on how they've handled ukraine kind of gave me less confidence because obviously they would have to pivot to cyber attacks in more other specialized kind of ways to fight warfare compared to conventional because clearly that's not working as well as they thought it would they totally underestimated their opponent in this situation and i feel like china um I forgot. I think we shared a little infographic. You know how they do the battle tests and stuff with different countries and all that. We used to share those YouTube clips. But the one thing I think that stood out was if you cut fuel supply, we would destroy China because you got to think of we have access to fuel supply here on the Western Hemisphere. We're good on that front. We got Canada right there. We got Mexico right there. And then we got South America. 
considering how loyal they're gonna be to bricks. I was getting ready to say that, and then it's uh, you see, can't you see how totalitarian Canada got real quick? Yeah. Like, I don't want to depend on any foreign oil, even if it's on the continental United States. Like, yeah. let's talk about Texas. How long can they hold us down? Let's talk about Alaska. How long can they hold us down? Then we got to talk about the lithium mines in Nevada. Like, do we have enough to mine and make batteries from there to transition our, our fighting force electric? And in, in, in the event, yeah. there's a fuel, a fuel crisis. These are things that we need to discuss. Very true, and that's part of the reason why what we we're just discussing is bringing home, re-strategizing, and getting this thing ramped up again. Because you made some very valid points. Like, yeah, okay, we go electric, but we got to worry about EMP. So you got to have that backup. You know what I'm saying? Analog in some sense. You're right, that EMP. But um, yeah, I, I want to point out, and I guess this is my biggest. You were advocate on bringing the troops home, mm-hmm. and to some extent we did. We brought the troops home from yeah. Afghanistan, and then it kind of gave Vladimir Putin bigger balls to go into the Ukraine. So it's like, I feel it's like as we're making this withdrawal, like we're, it's a power vacuum, but it's also enabling the other people to expand. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing yes we do need to reinforce the home front we, we do need to upgrade America like real America spend money in billions and billions in America 40 billion in America not in Ukraine but after we repair our, our beloved nation there may be a monster outside our walls we may have to adjust i.e. the imperial expansion of China and mm-hmm. Russia yeah, um, I don't agree, disagree because of their alliance and everything. I'm actually, this is the other thing I would consider. This is what I was thinking of. As you're talking about China, I'm thinking of, you mentioned Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Vietnam. I'm thinking of Korea. You know, I'm thinking of all these other countries over there that are very key players for us, especially economically. Not even so much strategically for military reasons. I'm thinking of economically, like, man, like trade routes, like manufacturing, like stuff like that. So I guess that's my one concern in the Pacific. I would be really curious to see would they join together. And stay tuned for episode 15, part two. So that'll be coming out later on this week. Peace.